Vegas. It is EK Sports. It's Sunday night. We have two hours of sports talk ahead. And I am pumped up for today's show. Tom Barton here from TomBartonSports.com. Tim Unglesby is going to join us very, very shortly. Uh, and I have to tell you, we have a lot to talk about tonight. All-Star Game rosters are officially set. We touched on it last night. We will get into more of it today. These are the full rosters. So the snubs and the screaming, yeah, we want to hear from you guys. Make sure you write us over at HW Sports over on Twitter. Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter as well. 876-1340. 876-1340. Get you part of the show as well. So we're going to get into baseball. We're going to get into some baseball conversation. There's a couple of trade rumors I want to see if we have time for. But the All-Star Game seems to be on everyone's mindset. Uh, the All-Star Game is front and center. And the All-Star Game, like we talked about last night, is something that gets people talking. It, it gets the blood boiling. I'm somebody that sits back and I watch these top 100 lists, whether it be baseball or football or basketball. I'm a list guy. And lists get me nuts. It gets me crazy. It's the same thing with the All-Star Game. It doesn't mean anything. And it's no overly real perception of reality here. Um, it doesn't matter to your fantasy team. It doesn't matter to your wallet. It doesn't matter overall. But it gets frustrating. It gets annoying. So we'll talk about some of the snubs. We'll talk about some of the good decisions that were made. We will get into Major League Baseball. I got to talk to Tim, and I'm going to wait for Tim to talk about the Lamar Jackson situation. Lamar Jackson comes out on Twitter, and we know he's waiting for a contract here from the Baltimore Ravens. It, to me, looks like he's going on a franchise tag. But Lamar Jackson comes out, and he goes on Twitter, and he puts a picture up on Twitter of a dude with a grill that says, I need money. And then he tries to walk it back because he's, oh, that, that's not about my contract situation. All right, come on. You're going to go out on Twitter. Yeah, at least just, uh, just sell it. Just, just go down with the ship there. But it is an interesting scenario. I want to talk about what's going to happen with Lamar, what Tim believes he's a Ravens fan, what he believes should happen with Lamar. And playing under a franchise tag, it may be a little bit different for a guy and a type of player like Lamar Jackson as opposed to a guy that we saw play under the franchise tag and kind of get paid a ton of money like a Kirk Cousins. So we'll talk about that. But I wanted to start off today with a little bit of basketball talk. Now, I know Tim hasn't watched basketball, and Tim has tuned it out. And we kind of bashed on the summer leagues uh, yesterday. This isn't that. But I did want to talk about the realities of Kevin Durant. And I got into this on my Sports Garden Network show this morning, uh, Want to Bet Weekend Edition. You guys can check all that out at sportsgarden.com, hashtag SGN over on uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. And I talked about the Kevin Durant situation really quickly. Look, Kevin Durant decides right after Kyrie signs that he wants to be traded. All right, it is what it is. We could laugh. We could joke. Uh, Kevin Durant chasing a championship. I hear he wants to be, you know, on the mid-90s Yankees. Ha, 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 right? Well, we go down that path. He wants to team up with Tom Brady. Yeah, look, all the jokes are obvious. All the the you know little jabs are going to be there for, for Kevin Durant. But I said, you know, okay, Kevin Durant leaving – the Nets gave him everything. The Nets succumbed to everything that Kevin Durant wanted, and it went wrong. And it went wrong in the same way that LeBron has failed completely in Los Angeles. LeBron James has been an utter disaster because you let him run that team in Los Angeles. The Lakers will never see a championship with LeBron James. Do not tell me that bubble basketball championships are real. You will be laughed at and jabbed at. It's not. And LeBron gets a lot of flack for putting together horrendous teams, 
And now his career is going to be laughed at at the tail end because he put together horrible teams. Well, Kevin Durant is the same thing. You know, Kevin Durant didn't start this legacy. All he did was secure what we already knew about Kevin Durant and, and going out there and trying to chase the championship. But that's secondary. It's secondary to what has happened now because the NBA has now become a standstill. Every team thinks they have a chance. Every single team is calling. I heard a report from a pretty reliable source that 18 teams have inquired about Kevin Durant. 18 teams have called up. Now, it should be every team just to find out, but 18 teams have called up. The original thought process in my mind was, okay, we know Kevin Durant is going to ask for a lot. What is the term a lot? Right? I mean, we have to dissect the term, what is it a lot? So I didn't have much to go on, and I was sort of kind of throwing out trade options in my mind and throwing out trade you know, alternatives and thinking to myself, what could a Kevin Durant trade really reality-based look like? And you start scrolling through, and you start going, oh, oh all right, it's going to be a little tough. It's going to be tough with the money. It's going to be tough with this. So you have to get creative. And then Rudy Gobert got straight. And Rudy Gobert gets traded for a King's Ransom, which included four draft picks, uh, including extra guys that are are starters, uh, four players. I mean, Rudy Gobert got the kind of package I thought Kevin Durant would get. I thought Kevin Durant would get some kind of package where two or three starters, um, you know, two bench players that with, with high upsides and like four draft picks. And I thought that that was a King's Ransom. I thought that was insane. But Rudy Gobert goes for that. What do we now have to change our mindset for? And that's, I came out on my podcast. You guys can check that out uh, on Believe Podcast Network. It is Wanna Bet and Wagering Week on the Revolver Podcast Network. You know, I came out on my podcast and I said, and, and look, I didn't say it joking, but it was taken as a joke. I said, are, is, are, are teams going to ask, you know, are the Nets going to ask teams, for like eight or nine first-round draft picks? Like eight first-round draft picks. Like, give me your next 10 first-round draft picks. And I kind of said it tongue-in-cheek. And I kind of said it with a joking tone. But I really wasn't joking. I really was talking about a reality based in a world that we live in where Rudy Gobert is going for four draft picks and like four established players. What can Kevin Durant go for? I undershot it asking for eight first-round draft picks. I undershot it. So I want to talk to you about some of the draft picks. Because, look, this is what happens with Summer League. You start to hear the the, the mum, rumblings and mumblings and, and rumors. But a lot of these are basically substantiated rumors. Um, so the Minnesota T-Wolves inquired about Kevin Durant. Let, let's find out about Kevin Durant, right? Let, let's, let's go have that conversation, says the T-Wolves. And you can't blame them. You got to go try. You got to go see what the possibility might be. Well, the Brooklyn Nets came to the table and said, okay, we want four draft picks for Kevin Durant. The T-Wolves said, oh, oh, okay, okay, all right. I know there's a what else, okay? Four first-rounders, we're starting there because that's where Rudy Gobert started. You're starting there. All right, all right, what else? Uh, we also want Anthony Edwards. Oh, man, that's, that's yeah. it's a little steep. It's a little steep, but I get it. It's a little steep, but you have our interest at, is there something else? Oh, yeah, and we want Carl Anthony Towns. So they want Carl Anthony Towns, the official offer that the Nets asked for. 
Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and four draft picks for Kevin Durant. Needless to say, the T-Wolves declined. But that's the kind of realistic offer that they're asking for. We want your best player. We want your second best player. We want four draft picks as well. That's the kind of ridiculousness that the Kevin Durant offer is beginning with. Now, we know it'll change. So there's been other teams that are in the mix here, other teams in the shuffle. We know uh, the Suns, the Lakers, uh, and the Warriors. And according to a lot of resources that are, that are going out there, and I know that some of these players, uh, some of these uh, people have, have talked to players and they pulled off of their comments, but a lot of research is going out there saying that the Warriors are interested, that the Warriors sort of dangled a an option or a trade. And here's what the Nets wanted from Golden State. We're starting the conversation with Jordan Poole. We're starting the conversation with Andrew Wiggins. And we want five first-round draft picks after those two. You can see where this is going, guys. They want four to five first-round draft picks plus two established players. I, I don't know if I can go out there and call Poole and Wiggins stars, but I think they're kind of close. And we certainly know Carl Anthony Towns is and, and Edwards, sure. So this is what we're we're talking about. Okay, here's where, where we're going with these kind of conversations. They asked the Phoenix Suns, and again, this is a rumor that has been speculated, uh, can be not exactly verified, but can be traced all the way to the top. And all the way to the top was, they asked the Phoenix Suns, we want Aton and Devin Booker plus four draft picks. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you can get where this is. So when I hear teams like Milwaukee being in the bunch, my immediate reaction is, are they asking for Giannis? Because you you almost have to assume that. You would think it was Carl Anthony Towns and and Edwards would be enough to know that they wanted four there. So the teams are starting to thin out, which we sort of assume. The teams are starting to get thin. I still think he goes to Phoenix, but the teams are starting to get thinned which we sort of assume. But when you start off asking for Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, you start to get into a, a mindset of how, how much is it going to be who blinks first? There's a reason we know these rumors. And I say this all the time in sports, right? I say this all the time in, in the world. There's a reason we know information. We don't know information by accident. We know information because people want us to know information. The new, new uh, the Brooklyn Nets, almost called New Jersey. The Brooklyn Nets are allowing us the interest here. They're allowing us to peak our interest level, knowing what kind of ridiculous they offer they have. So when teams do call, they know where to start. When teams do call, they know where to get crazy. Now the Wiggins deal could not be done when with Ben Simmons on the roster. Okay, uh, the Booker deal couldn't get done. I, I had even heard that they dangled Chris Paul in there. It can't get done because of their roster uh, situation right now. Now, Durant leaving um, obviously comes with it with a hefty pricing, but because of the Simmons thing, there's a lot of financials getting involved with the Kevin Durant situation. What I'm looking at is a field of players that they are basically saying, we want a top 10, top 15 player back. And again, I go back to Boston where they're asking for Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and picks. It starts to make sense. Well, at least they didn't ask for Jason Tatum. 
it starts to make sense, but are you going to pay that? And I, I've read that Boston said absolutely not. And Minnesota certainly said no. And the first in Trista here with the Phoenix Suns says no. So I'm looking up and down the teams here, guys, and I'm going, who is willing to trade, I don't know, their first, maybe second best player, plus a slew of picks? Who's willing to go out there and trade that? Who's willing to go on that ledge and say, okay, that's what I want. That's that's how what I that's how much we're going out there and we're taking a shot. You know, you start to think about the best fits. And the best fits are really, really, really not a lot. You know, you talk about the Wizards. I know the Wizards were throwing in there. All right. Porzingis, Kyle Kuzmer, and four first. Is that enough? I've heard that, you know, no. You're gonna have to get like seven or eight first. Give me the unicorn and give me Kuzma. You're going to have to go that way. Miami Heat is a popular, popular conversation. So it would be Kevin Durant. Who would you ask for from the Heat? I mean, you're you're asking for Jimmy Butler. You're asking for Tyler Hero. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and like three firsts. They're not going to do that. I mean, you're just not going to do that. You know, people are talking about the, the Suns situation. Well, we'll give them Bridges and Crowder. And Griffin, no, 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 no. They're asking for for Booker. That's the same thing with Toronto. Oh, Toronto is a, a team that we can. Well, Pascal Siakam is gone if Durant is there, but he's not enough. Not with these asking prices. He's not. He's not even close to enough. Right? I mean, they might as well ask for Curry at this point. He's not enough. So when you start to think about where Kevin Durant might land, start to think that the team that you're talking about is going to give up a massive player, a massive talent. I don't know if we get a Kevin Durant ending situation anytime soon. I don't know if we get a Kevin Durant closure to this conversation for a long time. This could drag throughout the entire summer because when the asking price starts here, it will go down. But it's going to take a while to, for it to go down. It's going to take a while for this to subside. Now, the other trade that everybody seems to think is a foregone conclusion is Westbrook to Brooklyn and Irving to L.A. The problem is, is that the money just doesn't work that way. The problem is, is that, that it, things are going to have to be moved around. So how can you make it work? Well, there is a third team that can really help out. He, they can help out with the Durant situation. Not that he's going to go there, but they could help out with the Durant situation. They could help out with the Westbrook situation, the Irving situation. And that is the San Antonio Spurs. And why can the San Antonio Spurs help out? Because the San Antonio Spurs are $30 million underneath the cap. So some of these deals may have to include a sweetheart San Antonio type of situation. The Spurs taking on a bad contract. <clears throat> ben Simmons, right? The Spurs taking on a lot of money because they are $30 million under the cap. But here we go. If you're going to ask for the San Antonio Spurs to do you a favor, to get better in your own conference, what kind of enticing deal can you dangle in front of them? Right? I mean, what can you ask? The, the Los Angeles Lakers... Um, you know, they don't have much of a future right now. The Lakers are just not a team that could go out there and can dangle interesting picks. 2023, 
the Pelicans have the right to swap picks with them. First round. 2024, the Pelicans own that. 2025, the Pelicans own that. 2026, that's when you start. So, you know, for the Spurs to take on money, are they starting with a conversation about the 2026 first round? The second round picks don't mean anything. We know that. So, you know, I I mean, we're in a stage of wait and see in the NBA right now because no one's going to do anything until you hear about what happens with Kevin Durant. Where does he wind up? What's the situation? And what's the return? The Rudy Gobert trade sent ripples through the league that I don't know if we'll ever really, truly understand because it was such a ridiculous, ridiculous comeback on the way to the the Rudy Gobert for a player like Rudy Gobert, which means players that are better than him, clearly better, like a Kevin Durant. The asking price has to be astronomical. Now, I don't think that the asking price should be Towns, Edwards, and four. I don't think the asking price should be Aton, Booker, and four or five first-rounders. I don't think the asking price should be Jalen Brown, Marcus Spartan, three or four first-rounders. I don't think it should be. But the Nets are holding all the cards right now. The Nets are sitting there right now in the catbird seat saying, we can ask for whatever we want. One of these teams is going to think, okay, I'm going to go sell out for Kevin Durant. Here's the problem, though. With every passing day and every passing week, the Brooklyn Nets lose a little bit. They lose a little bit of leverage every single day because everybody knows Durant wants out. And the closer the NBA opening day comes, right, the closer that comes, you the closer you look at it and you go, uh-oh, wait a minute. They're losing leverage. October 19th is not as far away as you think. So right now, you're looking and you're saying, hey, we're in July. The Nets are saying, we want everything. Give me your greatest players of all. Give me every, everybody on your team. Right now. You get into August. They're going to pull back a little bit. You get into September and the deal's not done. Now teams are saying, hey, we're pretty set. We're not going to completely and utterly upheaval our roster with a month to go before opening day. So the Nets hold all the cards right now. The Nets are in a position to ask for the ridiculous haul that they're asking for. I don't expect the Kevin Durant stuff to be settled anytime soon. But make no mistake about it. Kevin Durant's going to be out of Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is going to get a haul back. Somebody will overpay. But the longer and longer we go, the more the Brooklyn Nets lose leverage, and that asking price has got to come down. But I did want to tell you guys what the initial asking price was because it is stunningly ridiculous. Okay, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we get back, Tim Mugglesby is going to join us. We're going to get into the Lamar Jackson conversation and lots of baseball talk. Hour number two, we're going to get into the All-Star. I want to hear your grapes. I want to hear you guys flipping out. I want to hear who was left off the All-Star team and who should not have made it. Or, hey, you're pleasantly surprised. Maybe they made you happy with a couple of good selections. All that and more right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. That right now, that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. 
I want people that want to win. This is Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. All right, guys, welcome back to Heat Wave Sports. We're sitting back, look, look, we're talking a lot about things that are not going on right now, right? We're talking a lot about the NBA. We will talk about Lamar Jackson because the NFL is, of course, king. We are going to get into Major League Baseball, but, you know, guys, one of the things that is going on, um, even though games are not being played, is the entire shuffle of the college landscape, whether it be college football, I think college basketball is soon to come. The college landscape is being shuffled up, and I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on this before we uh, we get Tim with us here. I wanted to spend a couple of minutes because, you know, there's a lot of speculation of what's going on. And when this happened, when the shakeup started to happen, Tim actually texted me, and he said, Tom, you called it. You called it. And I said, I did, but I hate to be right. right? I, I hate to be right in this situation. The big super conferences was always going to happen. We knew that. So now speculation always arises of what's what's the next step? Well, where we stand right now, everybody's waiting on Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the team that everybody's seemingly waiting on for them to come out kind of make a decision. Now, I'll give you the Notre Dame side, then I'll give you everybody else's side. Notre Dame is sitting in a position where they actually make more money, guys, than 10 of the 14 SEC teams by being an independent. They make more money than all but two of the big 10 teams because they are independent. So why would they not be independent? Why would they give up that independence to go out there when they're already making the money that would come from joining the SEC or the money that would come from joining the big 10, which I think would be a more likely scenario. They wouldn't give that up, but there is an underlying option here. And that is that their contract with NBC is up in three years. So they have three more years on that contract. Thinking long-term, if you're NBC, why would you just up Notre Dame where you can turn around to them, say, hey, we want you to join the Big Ten. We'll keep your Notre Dame contract, but also let's work out a contract where we add a second game every Saturday, and every Saturday we get another Big Ten game. That's the kind of conversations that are happening right now. So the Big Ten doesn't want to add anybody. Remember, they added UCLA, they added USC, Washington, and Oregon both said, what about us? And the Big Ten didn't say no to Washington and Oregon. The Big Ten said, nah, we got to wait for, find out what Notre Dame's going to be. The Big Ten was in the camp of, let's let's wait. We kind of want you, Washington. We kind of want you, Oregon. Uh, but we need to find out what Notre Dame's going to do. The SEC wants Notre Dame. The SEC wants that Notre Dame money. And that Notre Dame money is fantastic. That Notre Dame notoriety is fantastic. The SEC doesn't need Notre Dame, but they want Notre Dame. In the same position, Notre Dame's going, I don't know about the. Do we want to go to the SEC? Do we want to compete with that kind of recruiting? Do, do we want that? Do we need the SEC? Notre Dame doesn't need the SEC, but they probably want them. So in that same vein, everyone is speculating that out of the ACC, that Clemson and Florida State will just become part of the SEC. And a report came out earlier uh, this week that said Florida State and Clemson asked the SEC and the SEC said no. Okay, that report was has been shot down. That report is not true. Okay, um, they have not asked. But it obviously is going to be on people's minds about what is going on and uh, will we have a conversation 
that leads us to Florida State and Clemson being part of the SEC? My answer is yes, I think we do. But right now, I think the SEC is waiting on Notre Dame. So what happens to all of these schools? Look, right now, the Big East is in the best position. The Big East is not being touched, not being threatened. And they have a really good basketball school for, you know, basketball conference for right now. The ACC right now is really not being touched, discussed, or threatened. Now, Florida State and Clemson leave, okay. But the ACC, look, I lived in the triangle in North Carolina. I live right in the heart, in the middle of Duke, UNC, and NC State country. While my wife is a Florida State alumni, I have intimate details of the ACC. I've been to every ACC school. I know it. I know it well. And what I know is that they generally don't care about football. It's always been the bugaboo from Florida State fans, who I thought should have been in the ACC anyway. They are still basketball-minded, and so is the Big East. So maybe those two are sort of left alone. Maybe they have a bigger picture. And you can tell me, well, it's not going to impact basketball. Yes, it eventually will. But the conversation that I'm starting to hear, and I'm starting to hear a lot of people start to sort of just say, yeah, this is what's going to happen, is that the Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to start a Super that's the conversation. They're going to start this, this super conference. And I doubt it in some ways, and some ways it makes sense. In some ways, geographically, the idea that Arizona, Arizona State are, are real close, right, to what the Big Ten really, or the Big 12 really is. I mean, Texas Tech to Arizona, Arizona State, not that far. TCU, not that far. BYU, not that far. So you start to, or or I'm sorry, BU, not that far. So you start to think about these power conferences, this, this, wow, what can they be? And some of it, geographically, is not that far of a stretch. Some of it, geographically, is not so bad. I mean, you you, you even go into, well, you know, Washington to... Texas is a rough one. Okay, Washington to Kansas could be rough. Yeah, some of that could be. But really what you look at is is the West Virginia. West Virginia has always been sort of the outlier. West Virginia is the team that you'd have to travel to, basically the East Coast team. There's already been conversation in the Big 12 about where will West Virginia land. Should they even be a part of the Big 12? And now we have this. Now we have the conference. The super conference. Well, you also have to speculate who else can join the super, super Conference. Who else can join that Super Conference? BYU, Air Force, Colorado State, a couple of Mountain West teams, Cincinnati, you know, uh, UCF, South Florida. You know, these are the kind of Super Conference teams. Guys, I, I'm touching on it because we have to talk about it. And while some of it makes sense and some people are jumping on top of it, I don't know if we do have that super conference. I don't know if it ever gets that way with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I don't think that it makes perfect sense like a lot of people believe because there are some hurdles to go where. I think that the Pac-12 right now is looking for answers. I think that the Big 12 right now are all looking for answers. I think everybody is really looking for answers. Where we're sitting right now, I don't think we're going to get a lot of movement until Notre Dame makes their decision. Notre Dame's going to make their decision. 
I think we will then hear the future of the Pac-12. I will think that we will then hear the future of the Big 12. I think that the ACC right now feels somewhat comfortable. I think the Big East feels very comfortable. So I wanted to touch on the college landscape. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout, an early timeout. We're going to come on back, talk about Lamar Jackson with Tim Unglesby, who's going to join us right after the break. We'll take that to the top of the hour. And then hour number two is all baseball for hour number two. Let's take a quick timeout right here on Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Tommy, I really need to get some more new rejoiners. Maybe Ryan can help us out with this, man. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes. Welcome back, Heat Wave Sports, here on the Super Sunday Night. Tim Unglesby joining the show. Tommy, carrying the load as always. Solid first segment, first half hour. And we're going to jump, say in the football side of it, we're going to jump back to the NFL. I actually got a couple DMs after the show last night, Tom, that uh, they were excited that we brought up the football, which we are—we always know football is the king regardless of how we feel. That's what people want to hear. So uh, we got positive feedback that we did talk some NFL. They can't wait for the season previews, Tommy, that we're actually going to start. Tim, did, you, did I lose you there, Tim? Ryan, can you hear me or, or did I Okay, no problem. We lost him. So I'll pick up where he was, uh, where he was leading off there. Um, we were talking about the NFL and last night, you know, one of the, one of the, anytime we said it, anytime you make lists, people start freaking out, right? Anytime you make lists. And last night we casually sort of made a list of the top 13, 14 guys in the NFL that, uh, are, are play the quarterback position that are clearly better than Baker Mayfield. Um, and, you know, I wake up this morning and Lamar Jackson puts on his Instagram and he puts a picture on his Instagram of a, a dude with a grill, you know, gold grill. And it says, I need money. Well, we all know that Lamar Jackson is waiting for that money. He's waiting for a contract extension. And, you know, it did get me thinking real quick. I said, but Tim, we got to talk about this. But before we actually talk about it, got me thinking, where is Lamar Jackson in that list of absolute, you know, pure who's better than him? And Tim, I don't know if you're agreeing. Tim's back. I don't know if you agree, but. My my initial reaction before even breaking it down to my initial reaction is sure Lamar Jackson is a top ten guy. Lamar Jackson is a guy that I feel comfortable this year can win the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, I don't know if many people would argue that he's not a top ten guy, but I think he falls short of the top five. And I think that his playing style, Tim, is a lot of the Ravens' hesitation. But I also think it's the front office knowing. You know, look at what happens when teams allocate all that money to one player. We watched what happened to the Saints with Drew Brees. We've watched what happens to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You just don't have enough money to go out there and, and pay for anybody else. So you're the Ravens fan, Tim. Yeah. Tell me what you made of, first of all, Lamar Jackson going out there, saying, I need money, and putting a, a picture up there, and then walking it back saying, no, I'm not, that's not talking about the, the contract. And also, where you feel your team is doing wrong or doing right. It's it's crazy when we discuss athletes that sign, sign the long-term big money contracts just yesterday, right? Tom, we were talking about Otani and the week before we were talking about Aaron judge and where is this money? Is it worth it long-term? What do you get for the investment? And when you're a fan, just as you are with the Yankees, you have that emotional attachment to your players and how it's going to work out. So for me, being a Ravens fan, for Lamar to come out and do that, 
in my mind, I'm like, okay, is it necessary? Well, for me, in my mind, I think he's just building himself up, right? So he wants to keep his keep himself out there. He didn't go to the uh, voluntary training camps, Tommy, but now it's time to go. So, hey, Lamar's here. Let's rock and roll. As a fan, in my mind, I'm just like, and we, we went through the list last night, just like you said, we went through the list of quarterbacks. He's a top tenner for sure. I've put him in the top seven. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if we can get somebody to that to that level if we don't sign him, Tom. So as a fan, pay the man his money. As the analytical Tim, I'm still going to say pay the man his money. And what does that result in? I mean, it hasn't produced a Super Bowl yet, but we're only four years into the into his career. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of great, great quarterbacks, Tom, over the history of time have only won one Super Bowl or less. So I think for the investment, for the age, for what he's capable of doing, I'd say you have to pay him. And yes, I do understand the ramifications of how he plays and it could lead to knock on wood, hopefully not a long-term injury, but it is something you have to consider. But looking at the market, looking at what's available and looking at what he's done so far in his career in four years, you got to pay them there. Tim, Lamar Jackson, somebody that I, I mentioned it this morning on Sports Garden Network. I thought that he could win a Super Bowl. I, I think that he can. I think that the, the team has the potential pieces in place. He got a lot bigger. He's not the small little Lamar Jackson that he was. And I'm not a Lamar Jackson apologist. I always call him the best uh, throwing running back I've ever seen. Uh, but he did get a lot bigger. He's a guy that has shown he can adapt his game. He can change his game last year. They, because of injuries, they went to a throw-first mentality. He was able to kind of change his game there. Andrews had that huge breakout year. I think the Lamar Jackson deserves to get paid. The problem is that Deshaun Watson, Tim, reset the deck, didn't he? If you're Lamar Jackson's agent, and I, I think he's representing himself, right? But if you're Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's agent, Lamar Jackson's backer here, your argument is a guy that didn't play all last year had 24 you know, sexual misconduct allegations against him pending, a, a guy you had to trade for, a guy that was barely a 500 record in the NFL, he just got this much money. How do you not give Lamar? I think that the Deshaun Watson situation made Lamar getting paid nearly impossible. So when you go out there and you say pay Lamar, Tim, what is pay Lamar? What's the price, Tim? What's the Shauna? Two hundred and thirty million. Two thirty over. And he's got the most, basically ever. Um, you're talking about look, Jackson's going to be about. He's asking. I think what he's asking for is about forty million. You, mm -hmm. you have to look, and you have to say they're going to give him thirty-five, but they can franchise tag him. Twice. Which, uh, when you do that, it ends up pissing the player off, though, right? Because you're, you're affecting yeah, the money and, for the next Yeah, and it season. actually raises his overall price, what it yeah. could be. Right. You know? I... Look, Tom, I think, you do, I think maybe if you can't... If you know you can't get it done this year, you got to tag him once. But you gotta, you gotta get a long term done because the second time around, if it goes that way, you're really setting yourself up for him to be so upset that he just decides to take it somewhere else. 
So, and you may even do that with the first time. I, I think at, at today's market rate, if you're telling me 35 gets the deal done long term, I no I the, the Ravens, Tim, the Ravens, Jason Lockonfor of CBS Sports said, um, and this is this is back in in May. Uh, he said that the Ravens offered him five years, 35. He said he wanted 45. 45? He wants 45. Oh, wow. I mean, at some point, Tom, you're just going to price yourself out of either A, the Ravens are just going to be like, we can't do it, or there B, is he going to price, is Lamar pricing himself out? What team can afford that? Tim, it also needs to be said, Lamar Jackson is one and three in the playoffs. After going 38, 30 and eight, he also has a passing rating of 68.3. He's got 900 yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions. He does not look good in playoff time. Do you think that that has anything to do with it? I think, I think the, the, the guy sitting in. Tommy, we, uh, we lost Tim again. Sorry to interrupt there, brother. No problem. You know what I was going to also tell Tim, and this is the, uh, I know he's still he'll pop back on. Is you know we just talked about some of the, some of my quote unquote sources and, and some of the people that I listen to. Um, one of the things that I keep hearing a groundswell about with Lamar Jackson. The reason why I ask, are they going to pay him the forty five? The reason why I bring up the playoff record, and the reason why I start to to bring that all up is, well, is there a team willing to do that? The things that I keep hearing are the Miami Dolphins could be that team too. Now, we know where Tua sits with the team. We know that Tua is sitting there with a basically prove-it mentality this year. But this team has been very aggressive on the free agent front. They have drafted really well, and they've drafted offensive weapons for Tua to succeed. This is a make-or-break Tua year. You give him Hill, you give him Waddle. I mean, uh, Gazeki's there. You're building basically a Kansas City Chiefs type of offense. At least that's what Miami believes. But you don't have Mahomes running the show. And we just said, obviously, Lamar Jackson is a top 10 guy. Miami is the one team that I continue to hear him connected to. And Miami is the one team that I'm starting to think, wow, Baltimore is a smart organization. Baltimore makes a lot of really intelligent moves. You just said it. You're going to franchise him once. Okay, fine. You're going to franchise him. Make him play this year. I, I, I'm okay with that from the, the Raven standpoint. I don't love it. I don't think you love it, Tim. But I'm okay with it. Where it gets dicey is this. We're all sitting here, and anything could change during the college football season, but we're all sitting here, and anybody that is in the know in college football and in the NFL is looking at this, and we all know this is going to be considered one of the best draft classes for a young rookie quarterback in some time. People are thinking that this could go five or six deep. I've heard one of the, the draft experts that I've had on my show all the time. He said we could see five quarterbacks in the first 10 right now. That's what they're projecting. So if the Baltimore Ravens are in a position where, okay, we franchise tag and we can't get much more off of this. We can't squeeze this out and we're not going to pay him $45 million. Make him play this year. See if you could get to the promised land with him. If you do, then you pay him. If you don't, they could get some ridiculous haul back from the Miami Dolphins who hold a lot of draft picks. They could absolutely, I don't think Miami's going to be a dominating force. You get a mid-first round pick there. The Baltimore Ravens can 
package two, maybe move up, get their franchise quarterback. Tim, you got to start thinking long-term. I have not thought that Lamar Jackson had played his hand to a point that gives the Ravens no choice, Tim. But I'm starting to believe that maybe he has left them no choice. I'm starting to believe that if you turn down five years, $35 million, and then in July, and I don't care that he walked it back, and then in July you're putting up Instagram posts after missing mandatory workouts or voluntary workouts that say, I need money. Tim, I'm starting to believe that he kind of painted them into a corner. And that corner might be because people are in his ear saying, Miami wants you. Look at the team they're building. In, in today's <clears throat> win now mentality, Tom, if, for instance, we get into further into the summer and we know there's not going to be a deal, he's a free agent after the season, correct? So what happens if they win the Super Bowl this year? And we both agree that we think it's they're, they're one of the – they have to be right there in the top of the favorites that can do it if they're healthy. So what if they win? Who has more bargaining room at that or uh, bargaining chips at that point? Is it Lamar Jackson or is it the Ravens? Because if the Ravens mentality is, look, we just won the Super Bowl. Isn't that what everybody wants to do is to win now? So really are, are we going to overpay for somebody and hope that we, maybe we can win another one in the next five or six years at $40 million a year. Then you start to think about it. If they get close the chips fall in Lamar's favor at that point, right? Look, I got you to the brink. Resign me and we can do this again. And if they don't make the playoffs, then it's all Ravens chips. So there's a lot of ways we can look at this. I think a lot of it's going to depend on if the deal doesn't get done before the season starts, how the Ravens do during the season. Tim, on the other way, I think they pay him if they win. I think, I think they're in the camp of, we don't know if you can win Lamar. We don't know in an, in an AFC which is going to have Josh Allen for the next five years, going to have Patrick Mahomes for the next five years, going to have Justin Herbert for the next five years, going to have Joe Burrow for the next five years. You got Trevor Lawrence coming up, Wilson coming up. You know, I mean, we don't know if you can win. You haven't shown us that in the playoffs. You haven't shown us that you could get us there. I think they pay him if they win, Tim. I think if he gets close again, it'll be easier on the fans. Look, we offered him $35 million. He wants forty-five. The guy can't get us over the hump. I think that that's the setup here, Tim. And that's why I'm asking you as a Ravens fan, are you swallowing that pill? As a fan, I'm swallowing it for sure. I'm just trying to present other sides of it. But if you remember, and being a Ravens fan, I remember 100% that when Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl, they paid him. And we saw how that contract ended. It's something that you have to consider. Tim, often contracts that are paid for things that you did as opposed to things that you do come back and bite you yeah. often that we see that in, in all sports, go ask Albert Pauls and Miguel Cabrera, right? We, we see that all the time. Things that you did for a team and you got paid for, or things that you did in your career and you got paid for, as opposed to things you will do often comes back and bites that team. Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that he can't go out there and win, but I think that the Baltimore fan base will start siding with ownership a longer that this goes on unless he does hold up that trophy. What happens? We all know last year, Ravens off order six, seven and one at one point, he gets hurt. They don't win another game the rest of the season. They actually lost every game after he got hurt. I think it was eight in a row, right? Something ridiculous to end the year. And we were talking about Super Bowl after uh, week eight. What happens if he's healthy this year, Tom, 
has a decent year. I'm nothing, nothing MVP wise, but again, nothing completely tanking has a decent year and they don't make the playoffs again. What do you do at that point? Well, you can't pay him then. Right. Yeah, you just can't. And, and Lamar, his, his the people that are around Lamar, I know he's representing himself, but people that are around Lamar need to tell him, look, you take the five years, 35. You know, take the five years, 35 on this team. Your stock is going down. Um, I, I'm not in any way saying Lamar doesn't deserve the 45. But I think that he hasn't proven that. Like you said, Tim, I think he's a clear top 10. You think he's a top seven, but I don't think either one of us are putting him in the top five. Mm-hmm. And and to me, you know, you're going out there. Deshaun changed the field because he's getting paid for what he's getting paid. I mean, just in the AFC alone, Tim, he's not Josh Allen. Right now, he's not Joe Burrow. He's not Mahomes. He's not Herbert. Heck, he might not be Wilson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the AFC, he might not be top five. And you throw in guys like Rodgers and Brady, maybe Stafford. I know people want to put Murray there. I don't. But but in the AFC, and that's the problem. That's what you're looking at. As a Baltimore Ravens fan, as a Baltimore Ravens brass and the, the management, hey, this guy's pretty good. But if we're paying him to be the number one most paid quarterback in the NFL, it doesn't matter that the Browns overpaid Deshaun Watson. We need a guy that's going to perform like the number one guy. And Lamar Jackson did it once winning an MVP, but his playoff record is real ugly. What happens? <clears throat> well, you said Deshaun changed the game. Cleveland changed the game by being idiots. We know that. So they, yeah, they okay, did. Screw, you know, they screw us, but it is what it is. You're right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have two sides of this. And that is the <laughs> argument. You know, if, I, if I'm on Deshaun's side sitting across the table, I'm going, hey, look look at what Deshaun Watson was just paid. If I'm on Lamar's side, I mean, I'm going, look at what Deshaun Jack, I'm twice the quarterback as him. Here's my numbers. Here's my results. Here's my MVP. Here's my winning record. Here's his. And on the other side of the table, you're going to have the Baltimore Ravens going, yeah, but the Browns are morons. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's their whole objective. But it doesn't matter because it tilts, it tilts the argument towards Lamar right now, towards Lamar until opening day. This argument is all tilted. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, if you turn around and you're looking at this and you're saying Lamar Jackson doesn't win a Super Bowl this year and doesn't win the AFC North and doesn't win an MVP, that's just fuel for the other side to say, well, if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be the number one guy. And we're going to know come preview time, whether they cut the talks or something gets done, Tom. And really what looks at is he goes into the season without that extension or the new contract, two things are going to happen. He's going to play like an MVP or he's going to be so bothered by it that he's not going to play well. And then we'll really see where the money goes at that point. So like I said, this season, if he's not signed by the time this season starts, it is a absolute huge, huge season not only for Lamar Jackson, not only for the Ravens, but I think you have to throw Harbaugh in that mix too because if they don't make the playoffs, Tom, as much as I love this guy, I think they're going to fire him. I really do. Well, I do too. And and not only that, Tim, how about the mentality? Usually a guy going into a contract year, Tim, you go, oh, he's going to have a great year. I think it would yeah. work the other way with Lamar. I think Lamar's going, you know what? I got to lift my stock up. I'm going to start throwing more. 
instead of running, why am I going to risk my body? Why am I going to fight for that extra one yard? I know that I can run, and the league knows I can run. Let me start throwing more. Let, let me let me start start showing them I can go downfield more. I think it changes Lamar's game. I think it, whereas whereas it fuels a guy like Baker Mayfield, and we talked about that last night. The doubters fuel him. the The contract would kind of fuel a Baker Mayfield. I think it works the opposite way with Lamar. I think it will change his game to be a detriment. I think it will be a distraction on that team that loves Lamar. I think it'll be a distraction for Lamar. I think that if Lamar Jackson is franchise tagged and unhappy, Lamar Jackson has a bad year as opposed to stepping the year up. Just for a little quick fantasy tidbit and, and not taking into account our crazy league at Heatwave, but a normal fantasy football league, where do you have Lamar Jackson sitting as on that list of quarterbacks if you're, if you're looking for uh, you know one quarterback league to start? Where do you, where do you have Lamar? I'm very high on him. I mean, I I have him four. To me, Allen is the the sure number one. You then got to choose between Herbert or Mahomes. Do you like the safety of Mahomes or the upside of Herbert? And then I got Lamar. I have him over Joe Burrow, who, uh, you you know, again, will put up great numbers, but he doesn't get the running stats. I have him over Jalen Hurts, who I think is massively overrated. And I have him over Kyler Murray, who I still believe that that size of his uh, leads to injuries. And I got him over Brady, who doesn't run, and Prescott, who might have a good year. I have Lamar Jackson squarely at four. And if you wanted to argue, and you really, really believed in Lamar going two after Allen, I don't think it's going to be that much of a separation. Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. Justin Herbert has a better defense, so that'll lead to um, a lot more less passing opportunities, I think, for Justin Herbert. Remember, Herbert was behind a lot in those games. He had to throw it up. So there's reasons to turn around and say Lamar Jackson can be better this year than everybody except for Josh Allen. It wouldn't shock me if he's the second quarterback off the board. I don't think he will be because he doesn't have name recognition. But if you're sitting there in a two-quarterback league and with a number two pick and you take Lamar Jackson, I can't fault you. If you're sitting there in a one-quarterback league and you decide, you know, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait a a couple of picks, and you take Lamar Jackson over Herbert or Mahomes, I'm not going to fault you for it, Tim. That's Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby. It's Heat Wave Sports here on a Super Sunday night. We're going to head into hour two after this timeout, Major League Baseball. We just talked about the MLB starters for the All-Star game last night. Well, today we know who the rest of the rosters, how they'll lay out. We'll talk about that and more in hour number two. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. Getting you ready for a new sports week here on Heatway Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. With you every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock, except for Tom next week. We actually have the weekend off, so plan ahead, Tommy. You can do whatever you want next weekend. We don't have to do any radio, but it's just like a little mini break because after that, we're kind of going to get steamrolled into college pro football, uh, Major League Baseball draft is coming up actually what in next week, I believe, is that, is that. So we'll get to talk and recap that. And then Major League Baseball free agency, or excuse me, trade deadline coming up early August. So we have plenty, plenty to go on here through the rest of the summer. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting little push here. You know, we're leaving tonight in an hour. We, we won't talk to you guys um, again 
on Heat Wave Sports. You guys can always listen to everything else that we do. But we won't talk to you guys again until the 24th. That will be, Tim, and the 24th is, is you know, nine days away from the uh, trading deadline. You don't think that things are going to be hot and heavy right there? <laughs> you know, I mean, but I wonder what's going to happen between now and then. I thought that we'd already start seeing some trades. It looks like everyone's kind of sitting on their hands and waiting. Yeah, it looks like it, but I think we'll get. I think we'll get it. We'll get something before when by the time we come back on on the twenty fourth. I think we'll have at least one. I'd say pretty big deal, don't you? I, I think we could have a lot of stuff in a lot of sports, Tim. I think we're going to see at least one big deal in Major League Baseball, but I think we're going to see two or three before we get back. Uh, the KD situation, I don't think will be resolved, but it certainly can be. We just talked about Lamar. Uh, you know, maybe that is something that goes on and, and training camps are going to start up. I mean, I think we're going to have a lot of stuff in the next quiet quote unquote, two weeks. And not, and not to get too involved in it because really it's a, it's a niche thing to go this deep, but you and I enjoy the minor leagues in college. And then the draft's always a big, that's always a big day for Tommy and I, uh, major league baseball draft day. The Orioles sit with the number one pick, Tom. And we know they're on fire right now. They're doing well. You want to bring the kids up, like you said last night. Let's bring them all up. Let's, let's continue this rebuild. And I, I look at all these mock drafts, and I try to read what the scouts say, and I look at who's available, and who, you know, and it becomes a finance thing, and that's what really upsets me as a fan, because I look at who should be the number one pick according to everybody is Andrew Jones' kid, right? That's who I want to see in a Birds uniform. But then I read that, oh, well, maybe they'll go with this slot because it's cheaper. I hate that financial aspect of Major League Baseball sometimes, but I get it and I understand it. But come on, Tom. Give me Andrew Jones Jr., man. Put him on my team. I know you want him, Tim, but, you know, the more I, I've read about him, I, again, it, it's minor league baseball. It's, it's not even minor league baseball. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not even minor league baseball. It's, it's you know, high school kids here. There's a few guys – that you can argue Elijah green is somebody that I can absolutely argue going number one, overall starting center fielder Ter, uh, Tamar Johnson, the second baseman. People are talk, talking about him as, as basically Jose Altuve. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the pick, you know, Jackson holiday, somebody, I don't know if I would take him over drew Jones. Everyone's kind of connecting the Baltimore is to Brooks Lee. Here's the problem that I have. And I know you have to just take best player available. The problem that I have with the Baltimore is selecting Brooks Lee is not, not that he's not drew Jones. It's that the Baltimore is have the best prospect in baseball. Right now. He plays shortstop. The guy Westberg was actually a shortstop. They're probably moving him to second base. He's a top 50 guy. They have a guy uh, Vera and another shortstop in the lower minors. It's kind of like what the Yankees have. It's just a glut of shortstops. If you're going out and just picking best available, sure, just go grab best available. But when you're looking at a team buildup, you're going, look, if I'm close between Jones and a shortstop, if I'm if I'm if I'm picking between the two here, why would you not go with the bloodline, with the name recognition, and with the position that you're just not stacked with? That's what I don't right. understand. Because it's going to cost them more to sign him than it would be Brooksley, right? That's exactly what it comes down to. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I hate all that. I heard for the last year, by the way, is that <clears throat> Tremere Johnson is the number one pick. 
I mean, that's all anybody talked about. Now I'm seeing him in mock drafts go outside the top five. I heard Elijah Green was just that sure thing. That, that guy, oh, man, best center fielder in the class. By the way, former NFL tight end Eric Green is his father. You know, absolutely athletic off the charts. I heard he was certain to go. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he might be outside the top 10. So these things change pretty quickly, Tim. You know, um, we know that money is a big part of this, which brings me up to one talking point here. Kumar Rocker. Um, this could be interesting. I'm hearing that he's going to probably be a first-round pick, probably in the top half of the first round, 15, 16, 17, right there. Maybe is more possible. Um, he could pitch immediately. He could be thrown into the rotation by August for some of these contenders, Tim. He could be he could be right there. He's a medical risk, but he was also a top 10 pick, right? I mean, he's right there. And you look at the teams that are in the middle, okay? Look at the teams that are, are where he might be picked up. And it starts to get a little interesting. I've seen him mock to Atlanta at 20. Oh, I could see him being part of the Braves for, for a little push there. I've seen him mocked at Philadelphia at 17. I can see that. Cleveland Guardians, you tell me Cleveland couldn't use an arm, uh, you know, all of a sudden in August. And how about this, Tim? Number 13, your Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. You know, you go out there, you take a, a risk, take a gamble on a guy that could really join your rotation in August. I saw he was hitting. Uh, wherever he's playing, independent, I'm not sure what, what level is, but he's topping out pretty fast. Like, he had the speed there, so. He's got it. It's just the medicals that you worry about. But if you're a team that's making a push this year, and Kumar Rocker's the missing piece to put you into the playoffs and into deep into the playoffs, and Kumar Rocker is, is a integral part of your playoff rotation, who cares? Roll the dice. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's going to be good at the next level. And I was a guy that was down on him. You know that. Coming out, I was down on him. Um, but I'm sitting in a position, I'm going Philly, Cleveland, uh, you know, Atlanta, Seattle even, if he falls into the, the 20s, Toronto. Why would you not roll a dice on one of these, this kind of guy, if you're one of these teams that says, maybe he's the missing piece we need. Maybe he's that arm. Because he's, he's probably one of about two or three first rounders that could contribute right now. And I think that you can fast-track him right now. Tom, do you, I know I've asked you this before, but just for in case people don't remember or are listening that didn't hear this, when you look at, obviously, each team's depth is a situation and what they need comes into play. But you mentioned the, the bloodline kids in uh, Green, Holiday, and Jones, right? All two of their dads play major league baseball. One played NFL football. You know that there's the athleticism there. There's the gene pool is good, but they're high schoolers, right? Um, do you look at? Do you want the polished three, four year college guy if you can get him rather than the high school guy? I, I know there's hot shots and, and uh, can't misses, but are there really hot shots and can't misses? It takes a little bit longer for them to get through that that minor league system. And then you never know what can happen. Whereas a college guy is a little more mature, a little more fine-tuned, and can get there quicker. Majors, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to answer your question in a a little strange way here, Tim. Generally speaking, I want to go with the high school guy because he's in my system long enough. 
I feel like I could get him out of any bad habits that he might have developed in high school and give him my kind of habits as opposed to trying to undo habits. With that said, I have always, that, that is my general rule. But with that said, I have always leaned towards college experience with a really good college makes me know that they could handle the, the workload. I'm not looking for, and I do this all the time. I, I'm, I've done this in, uh, I've talked about this in many drafts. I don't need a future Hall of Famer as my first round pick, but I want a future starter. And there's a big difference there, Tim, right? I mean, you know, you sometimes roll the dice and say, I'll take a shot at him because he might be the greatest of all time. Where I'm going, you know what? I'll take a shot at this guy because I think he's going to be perfectly fine. He's going to be a starter. And this year, you know, you have a couple of those type of guys that you're looking at and you're saying, yeah, you know what? Jet Williams is a shortstop from, you know, high school. He's a 5'8 dude. Everybody's liking him. But he could be that crazy great guy. I mean, he, Tim, he could be that guy. I would pass over him for a player like a Drew Gilbert, the outfielder from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He played on Tennessee. I know that the the, the schooling was there. I know that he knows how to go out there and really make an impact when it matters. And I would lean him. So it really depends on, on what the model is. I'll lean high school. If I want to develop that player, stick him in there, have, have faith in my development. But if it comes down to superstar or sure starter, give me the sure starter. Every time I, I lean towards safety. We were just talking about fantasy football, Tim. I'm the same way. You know, I might pass on a guy that could be the best first-round pick ever, but I'm going to pick a guy in that first round that I know is not going to lose it for me. I build a, a team the same way, especially if you trust the minor league system. That being said, I believe – what is the draft next week, right, Tom? My, my... Yeah, the 17th. And by yeah. the way, Tim, some minor league systems you do trust and some you don't. No offense – I wouldn't trust anybody with the rotational arms of the, the Orioles. The Orioles just don't develop rotational arms. Tampa Bay, I, look, I'm drafting every high school guy possible with Tampa Bay yeah. because I know that they could develop that. You know, there are certain positions. The New York Yankees develop catchers. They just do. For whatever reason, that's the organization that, that will develop a catcher. There are certain organizations that develop certain positions, certain situations. The Cleveland Guardians, they develop arms. Philadelphia Phillies cannot develop a pitcher for the life of them. So I think you have to, to also include that when you're talking about the baseball draft. Well, you and I will be talking about it for sure, and then we'll we'll give our thoughts when we come back on, on some of the, the picks and where we think – teams went wrong and, and you know it's always a pl- it's a it's a waiting game at that point yeah. i want the yankees but, to grab the uh the huge kid out of vanderbilt did, did did you see this guy the uh what is he six 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 is that right six five yeah 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 he he's 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 basically uh, hey you know fits what the new york yankees are <laughs> you know <laughs> this guy he's a an absolutely mammoth dude out there. He's supposed to go in the late first, so there's a chance the Yankees can can kind of jump onto him. Um, maybe you know that 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 he's the guy that they'll go out there and take. But he is a a big 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 guy. But think about it like this: uh, Kumar Rocker was six foot five, and he looks tiny compared to him. <laughs> wow. Did you know, Tom, 
that if the Yankees play 500 ball the rest of the way, they will still finish with 100 wins. I did know that. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> Which means Tim's already cashing his ticket. Yes. I'm going to head down to the West Gate and ask uh, our buddy there, Cornegay, once they hit 92 wins. Jay, just cash this, man. It's, it's, I'll hit it at 90 wins. I'm going to just go down there at 90. But, so, I mean, Jay, just cash this, man. It's, it's, let's get this goal. So. By the way, somebody Tuesday. just texted me. Somebody just texted me. What's his name? His name is Spencer Jones, guys. The guy from Vanderbilt we're talking about. But yeah, Look you should my- just go down there and, and you go down there like August like 10th, Tim. <laughs> with, with 90 wins. Yeah. Just just catch this now. It's, it's, it's a good it's goal. So Tuesday, we'll have the All-Star game last night. We talked about, and that's at Dodger Stadium, by the way. So we talked about um the starters talked about the starters last night, who we thought probably deserved to be the starter, but because of fan voting, it is what it is. Well, Tom, today they announced the reserves and the pitching staffs. And before we even like dig deep into who's on the team, it's always fun to say who's not on the team because it's always a topic of discussion. It's going to be all week. We already know that. Let's start it off. Biggest snub. Followed by in order, just just go with your snubs in the in order of biggest to to least or or whatever. We already know who the biggest one is, but we both agree on this one. The, this guy deserves to be on the team. Wait, I can only have one, Tim. I, I got quite no. a few, so let, let me give you the ones that I'm going to scream and yell about. Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, I'm a Yankee fan, guys. Unless you watch Anthony Rizzo every day, don't worry about his batting average, and that's kind of what everyone's concentrating on. Anthony Rizzo has been the second-best player on the team. Anthony Rizzo should be in the MVP conversation. He's got 22 home runs, 54 RBIs, and is playing a gold-glove first base. That is a pace of 40 home runs and 100 RBIs, and he has just been absolutely fantastic. That is a disgrace. It really is. That, that I mean, that that is a big loss, uh, a big snub. Michael King's a big snub coming out of the bullpen. He's just been fantastic at, in, in 20 outings this year, which is 46 you know, innings this year, 2.33, under a under a one whip, 62 strikeouts. He's been invaluable for the Yankees, but I get that. Rizzo is my American League. What are we doing? That, that's my, my head scratcher. In the National League, you have a few. You know, Carlos Rodon, I, I thought that was a big snub right there. I thought Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were big snubs. How do you not put either one of them on? I, I think that's a little strange for me. Josh Bell legitimately has better numbers than Juan Soto this year. How he's not the Nationals representative, that bothers me. But the big snub for me is Austin Riley. Austin Riley, who has better numbers than Manny Machado almost across the board. He's got more runs, more home runs, more RBIs than Manny Machado. His team is pushing for first place. He is a World Series hero. How is this guy not a part of the game? It's unbelievable. And if you want to You'll put him up against the starter. And I know you said, well, Machado was Machado was was voted in. He was voted in. But Machado also has a top five betting odds to win the MVP right now because he's batting a little over 300, 14 home runs, 50 RBIs, 51 runs scored. Well, Austin Riley's better. 50 runs scored, okay, negligible. 56 RBIs, that's more. Timmy's got 23 home runs. He's batting 282. It's not like he's batting 260 like Otani. He's batting 282. Uh, the, the fact that Austin Riley 
to me, look, I'm upset about the, the Rizzo situation, but Austin Riley not being on this team is a travesty. That's the biggest one for me, too. Riley deserves to be at this game. And I, I said it to you off air. If you're trying to grow the game of baseball continuously, he's young, he's fun to watch, and he's going to be around for a while. Why would you not find a way to put him in this game, Tom? And it's not like you're giving him a cherry case of putting him in. You just read off the statistics. I know that each team has to have a rep, but you could find a way to put him in this game. And I feel the same about Rizzo, too. And I was going to ask you this on the Rizzo situation. Do you think it's because the Yanks have six players going total that they just they didn't want to put another Yankee on there? Is that what happened? I think that's exactly what happened. Um, I also believe that there's the notion that, you know, Anthony Rizzo kind of is going to be that fill-in guy. I think that there's a notion that, look, some of these guys are going to get injured. There's going to be some fill-ins. And it wouldn't shock me if Anthony Rizzo is kind of the first guy taken. Because you look at some of the snubs. You know, people are going to talk about Ty France. And you're right. Look, you know, France is a guy that certainly can be put on this. But he's also banged up right now. Corey Seager, you know, people are going to argue about that. But you know what? He's got 245 average, less home runs. Uh, who else are you going to argue about? J.D. Martinez. Well, Martinez is kind of a D.H. Yeah, then you get into the pitchers. As far as a hitter, I think that you don't put Rizzo on. You don't get everybody all upset that there's a million Yankees on. You don't get, go down that path. And then you go, well, someone's going to get hurt, right? So some, one of these reserves are definitely going to go get hurt. And when that guy does get hurt, well, we'll call Rizzo up. Yeah, I think he finds a way on the team. And I, I want to say I, I want to believe Riley will find a way on this team as well. But let's, let's look at who officially is on the team, Tom, before any injury selections. We'll just go position by position. The catchers, both these guys actually were runners-up in the fan voting. So you have Trevino from the Yanks, his first time as an all-star. The Arnold from Atlanta, first time as an all-star. You're good with those. Yeah, very much so. I Again, I still think Tyler Stevenson should have made it, but I get because he's been injured that he didn't. And it, it, If you want to go check out a really cool video, go watch Aaron Boone telling Jose Trevino that he's an all-star. It was pretty cool. He, he legitimately didn't believe Aaron Boone. I thought Aaron Boone was messing with him. Pure emotion there. I, and Travis Darno has just been steady as a rock. I like both of these selections. Infielders for the American League. Arrays from Minnesota his first time. Bogarts, his fourth. Uh, Jimenez from Cleveland, his first. Jose Ramirez, also from Cleveland, his fourth. And as you said last night, the what is the legend selection or, or whatever you want to call it? Miggy Cabrera, his 12th. And I know you talked about snubs, but when you look at the infield in the American League, these will be the backups. Yeah, I, I'm okay. Look, Andres Jimenez is having a really good year. Jose Ramirez, I, I just mentioned uh, on my show this morning, I said, I think Jose Ramirez, and I think I, I talked to you about this last night, I, I think he should be in the MVP conversation behind Aaron Judge. Uh, Bogarts, his numbers are a little inflated, but okay. And Araz is leading the league in batting. I, I like it. I, I like these reserves. Just wish there was a way Rizzo could get involved, but I do like the reserves there. National League side, Albert Pujols will be the, the special selection. We'll call it the legend selection. Then you got Pete Alonzo, his second. Nolan Arenado, his seventh all-star appearance. Jeff McNeil from the Mets, his second. Dansby Swanson, Atlanta, Tommy, his first all-star selection. And the guy you wanted to on this team last night, he made it. 
from Colorado, CJ Crone will play his first all-star game. Yeah, again, I, I like most of this. You can't argue Swanson. Well, you could argue he should be even the starter. Crone, Arenado, Alonzo. But I can't argue Jeff McNeil, who, yes, he's batting 310, Tim. He's got 38 runs, 35 RBIs. He's got four home runs. He's missed time. He's a solid, if not less than average fielder. Jeff McNeil shouldn't be anywhere near this team. Not when you have guys like Austin. Uh, Put up Jeff McNeil's numbers against Austin Riley. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Jeff McNeil is embarrassing when you're talking about this. I mean, that's that's a ridiculous selection right there. And it has nothing to do with the Mets needing somebody because they have Pete Alonso on the team. It's an embarrassing selection. In the outfield for the National League, Juan Soto, his second. Kyle Schwarber, his second. Starling Marte. His second, and Ian Happ, first-time All-Star now. That's the American or National League outfielders. Yeah. Okay. Look, Ian Happ has to go because he's a Cub. Okay, he's going to be the Cubs representative. I I would have taken David Robertson, and been perfectly fine with David Robertson being uh, you know the Cubs guy. They went with Ian Happ. I don't think he has the numbers to make the team. Starling Marte again, not having a great year, Tim. You have him on your fantasy team. You can't be exactly happy about Starling Marte. Schwarber, okay. And Juan Soto. I mean, we. this is one of those, are we just building the brand? Or is Juan Soto truly deserving of this selection? Juan Soto sitting back, batting 240. Got 17 home runs. Okay, got a little power. Reality says Juan Soto should not be part of this team. Josh Bell should be the representative. But they went with name recognition there. And I don't I like these outfields at all. Let's just put it that way. I wouldn't have had Hap, Marty, or Soto on any of my teams. And if you're going to tell me that it's the brand and growing the game, I'm okay with that. If you put Riley in there too, right? It's, you can't do one yes. one or the other. You have to do them all. So. All right. American League outfielders will be Andrew Benintendi from Kansas City, his first. Byron Buxton, his first. Julio Rodriguez, rookie of the year, first. George Springer out of Toronto. His fourth appearance, and Kyle Tucker from the Astros, his first. So a lot of first-timers here in the American League outfield. Yeah, and, and you know, George Springer's another guy. He's batting two fifty. He's got 17 home runs. I, I can, I don't know, I could argue that he shouldn't be in here. Um, the guy that I'm upset about is Benintendi, though. Look, I, I know now all of a sudden it's, it's fashionable to love Andrew Benintendi all of a sudden on this team, and everybody wants him because of a, a trade bait. But, Tim, I'm just going to read off numbers to you. You tell me what's better. Three home runs, 35 runs, 35 RBIs, 317 average, two steals. Or 43 runs, 42 RBIs, 12 home runs, 13 stolen bases with a 240 average. You're taking the second guy, right? More runs, more home runs, more RBIs, much more steals. The batting average is the difference. I'm talking about Andrew Benintendi. And you go, well, he's got to be Kansas City. The guy that was left off is Bobby Witt, Tim. Yeah. How is is baseball promoting the brand? Bobby Witt right now is, is, he should be the Casey representative, not Andrew Benintendi. Right now, Bobby Witt is on pace, 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, uh, with mid-80s RBIs and mid-80s runs scored. Benintendi's a solid player, but I don't get that selection. I don't like that at all. 
and Bobby Witt's going to finish second to Julio Rodriguez in Rookie of the Year. Grow the brand, right? Grow the brand. All right, let's and take D a look. It's Jordan Alvarez, who got injured today, Tim, and he was put on the IL. Yeah. There's your Rizzo spot right there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and it goes back to actually, if you listened to the show last night, which I know everybody did, we talked about the MVP and how it was Judge and Otani, and then Alvarez was kind of being uh, not left off, but he was just the third of the three for whatever reason, and you said it. You know, when it comes down to it, injuries are going to make a perfect example. And, and, you know, sure enough, the next day, Alvarez gets hurt, Tom, but he's not going to play. And I think that's that's Rizzo's door in two, even though he should be on the team anyways. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's take the final time out of the night. On the other side, we will look at the pitching staffs for both teams. Lots and lots of nice arms on this staff. See what Tommy thinks about it. It's Heat Wave Sports here on a super Sunday night, Fox Sports Radio. I can't believe you asked that. I really can't believe it. Let me see here. Kentucky Wildcats, number four in the country. I'm hearing four first-round draft choices. And you're asking me how that got away from me? They're the big blue. You ought to know that. I'm not mad at you. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Gotta love the listeners of Heat Wave Sports, Tom. Yes, I understand the All-Star Game is next Tuesday, the 19th, not this Tuesday. My mistake, but hey, they're listening, right, Tommy? That's that's all we can ask is they're listening to us, man. Listening and interacting. I like the interaction. Of course. And you can interact with you us anytime. At HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports, you can interact with us on, on that Twitter we got people Facebook messaging us. It, it, you know, we're easily accessible. We always like to discuss sports. So, yes, please keep them coming. And I do know the All-Star Game is the 19th, Tuesday the 19th. So one more week of Major League Baseball regular season action. Then we get a little break. And then we, the real fun begins with the second half. So let's look at the uh, pitching staffs for this All-Star Game, Tommy. We'll start in the National League. Kind of motor through this. Pretty big list. Joe Musgrove from San Diego. Manning Klee from Arizona. Clayton Kershaw, his ninth appearance now in an all-star game. He makes the team. Ryan Hensley, Josh Hader out of the Brewers. Tony Goslin, we talked about him last night, his first appearance. Max Freed is also his first appearance. Edwin Diaz from the Mets. Louis Castillo, spent a lot of time talking about him the past few weeks from the Reds, his second appearance. Last year's Cy Young winner. Corbin Burns, second straight appearance. David Bedner from the Pirates. And Alcantara, his second straight appearance from the Marlins Tom. Yeah, Tim, we were talking about uh, snubs, right? Um, yeah. I'm just looking up and down this list. I don't mind. Look, Alcantara, yeah, you got to put him. David Bednar from Pittsburgh, I like it. Burns, sure. Castillo, I get from Cincinnati, you need him. Edwin Diaz is really having a good year. Freed, of course. Goslin. Uh, Hater, no doubter. Um, Helsley. I thought he was going to be a snub. Nope. Love that. I love that they got Kershaw in there. Uh, Mantably from Arizona. Great job. Musgrove. I, I look at this list, Tim, and I go, I don't have a problem with any of it. There's not a person on this list. There's guys that I wish could squeeze on, but there's not a guy on this list here, Tim, that I don't think belongs. Not a single guy. It's a, it's a, it's a decent staff. We'll talk about the American League. 
I like the American League staff. Here we go on this one, Tom. Paul Black. Paul Blackburn from the A's, his first time. Manuel Classe from the, the Cleveland, the closer. Nice, nice pitcher, his first time. Garrett Cole from your Yanks, the fifth. Like, I'm going to run off three Yankees right here. Cole, Cortez, and Holmes. Cortez and Holmes are first appearances. Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, the closer there, his first. Manoa from Toronto. McClanahan, the Rays, his first. Martin Perez, Texas. Soto from the uh, Tigers. Valdez and Verlander from Houston. So Verlander and Kershaw both now with nine all-star appearances. And Tommy Shohei Otani, back-to-back appearances for the Angels. Yeah. Look, you know, I don't know. If you want to nitpick here, and I don't, you don't want guys like a Paul Blackburn, but who else are you taking from Oakland, right? Gregory Soto's had a decent year. But who else are you taking from Detroit? I mean, you know, you, you look at this and you go, ah, I think they could have got away with not having Soto because, you know, that they are putting on, uh, on, on what's his name? They're putting on a, a, a legacy, Miguel Cabrera. So I think you could have got away with not having Soto if we're nitpicking. Martin Perez has got to be the Texas guy just because, you know, they have to have one on. So the Blackburn and the Perez, you can't really argue, even though I want to. The Soto is the guy I'm going, okay, he's fine. And I'll tell you, Framber Valdez, to me, doesn't pass the eye test, but his numbers are fantastic. So here we go again. Do I think that a guy like Kevin Gaussman probably should have made it? Yeah. Do I, I... find a position where it's easily replaceable, somebody I could easily pull off? No. The one guy I don't think belongs is Gregory Soto, just because Detroit already has Miguel Cabrera. But I don't know if the rules are, well, the legacy guy doesn't count. So maybe he's there, just like Perez and Blackburn, where he just has to be there for the and, – and Lopez, for that matter, where he just kind of has to be that guy. Last night we discussed who the starters would be. I like Verlander from the American League. You like McClanahan. Nationally, we both talked about uh, who the guy could be. But at home, you, you think with a 160 ERA, it's probably going to be Goslin, right? I think it should be. Um, I would love to see Kershaw against uh, Verlander. That would be great. But I look, I'm not counting out Alcantara either. I mean, you almost have to, but yeah, I think, I think they're probably going to leave Gon- uh, Lean Gonsolin because, like you said, he is at home. Tim, what is your argument though? Because everyone says we always agree. Okay, everybody says that that's all we ever do. I am adamant that Justin Verlander should not be starting this game. Justin Verlander, unless you're saying, like we've been saying this whole time, promote the game and it's good for the fans and all that nonsense. Unless you're going down that route of Justin Verlander, he is not the pitcher that McClanahan is this year. He's just not. Right now, Shane McClanahan leads Major League Baseball in ERA and strikeouts. He uh, He's the clear starter for me. But I, I you know, a lot of people that are saying what you're saying, that it should be Verlander. My argument is based strictly on, not statistically, it's based on what I think Major League Baseball wants. And yes, McClanahan, Better ERA, more. Remember, leads the league in strikeouts. 
I know Verlander has him by a couple wins, but it's Verlander because of who he is and how they can build a little a late promotion for this game by saying the nine-time All-Star Justin Verlander leads the league with 11 wins. I think that's the route they go, Tom. So we do agree in that I personally think McClanahan's the best pitcher, but we disagree on the fact that I'm looking at it from who Major League Baseball wants starting that game. And it's you may be, you know, at the end of the day, the manager's going to make the call. So we, we'll see who it is. But I'm just kind of foreshadowing what I think baseball is pushing. And, yes, it would be ideal to see, say, Kershaw and uh, Verlander. But Goslin's he's so money right now, it's hard to just not put him in that spot, Tommy. And that's why I would go that route. And, you know. Tim, if you really want to promote the game, if you want to go that route of just promoting the game, you put Shohei Otani against Clayton Kershaw. Yes, absolutely. Who knows? Maybe they start Otani. Tommy, who knows, right? I sure hope not. He's not the best pitcher, but we've seen, you know, I don't think so they go that route, but it wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I like the fact that um, that the American League seems more well-rounded. But I, I, I will say this. I think that the pitchers, they generally got right. Like, I have small gripes about the pitchers. Mm-hmm. Overall, Tim, I think the pitchers, they generally got right. It's the uh, it's the hitters. I still do. I still have a couple of problems with, but the the interest level for me on this All Star game is is rather high. I think you should have got Bobby Witt in there. Doesn't make any sense to me. Austin Riley, sure, but overall the interest level, Tim, pretty high. I like the mix of the old guys and the young. I like the fact that we're talking about you know forty year old or thirty nine year old Justin Verlander and mid twenty Shane McClanahan. I like that. I like to think about, well, when when are the Yankees going to be involved? When, when is Clay Holmes and Emmanuel Classe, who are shutdown closers, when are you going to bring them into the game? I mean, Clay Holmes should be getting Cy Young votes at this point. When are you going to bring them into the game? How about the other side? You know, you got Josh Hader. He's your shutdown guy. How about a, a, you know, a ninth inning where Hader goes up against Clay Holmes? That's kind of cool. So my interest level is really pretty high. Overall, you look at the, um, you know, the starting rotations and the starting uh, uh, box score and you go, look, I don't know if Vladimir Guerrero should be starting, but I'll tell you what, I'm intrigued to see Guerrero, Trout and Judge in the middle of that and Otani even Guerrero, Trout, Judge and Otani, one, two, three, four. That might be a one, two, three, four. We tell our kids about Tim, (laughs) right? I mean, it really might. And, And this is taking nothing away from the National League where Paul Goldschmidt's having a great year and Manny Machado is, is, is nice and Trey Turner. No, no, no. We may be talking about historic. I watched Guerrero, Trout, Judge, and Otani, you know, bat, what is it going to be? Two, three, four, five in the middle of a rotation going up against, and this is where it gets to me saying, I wish it wasn't Tony Goslin, you know, going up against Kershaw. To me, Tim, that's, that's intriguing. The American League has a lot of intriguing storylines. I'm real, real pumped up to talk about the storylines of this game, even though the game might fall a little short. I think the American League wins, Tom. What do you think? Yeah, I'm an American League guy. I always kind of take the American <laughs> League. 
So last night we kind of motored around the divisions, talked about some teams. I just I just wanted to go through again and, and talk about a couple more teams as we, you know, one week left, and then we get the halfway point. So the first question I would ask you, though, you brought it up with Clay Holmes, and I know we briefly touched on it a couple weeks back, but when when Chapman's back, is there a change there? Does it go back, Tommy? Does he get his job back, or has Clay won this now? No, I mean it, it, it's he's back. You know, Chapman's back, and he's not pitching in high leverage situations. I mean, that's just the reality. Aaron Boone came out and said he's going to mix and match. Uh, Aaron Boone kind of said he, generally he's going to go with sort of the hot hand. He made that pretty clear. Uh, but the hot hand, there's nobody hotter than Clay Holmes this entire season. So. I think Aaron Boone is in a position where he he wants to say this, but he would never do it. I think he wants to say, I'm not removing a guy with a you know, 0.04 ERA from, from the closers role, but Clay Holmes doesn't have the 10-year track record that Chapman has, and if he falters a little, I could fall back on Chapman. I think that's what he wants to say, Tim, but we know that Aaron Boone won't say that. Uh, I think it's Clay Holmes. I think Clay Holmes should garner massive Cy Young votes if he continues to keep this up. But it is a long season, and Clay Holmes doesn't have the track record. What about Seattle? What's your take on Seattle? 45-42. and 42. They won eight in a row. They're not winning the division. We know that. Houston's 12 up on them. But they're, they're there. They're there in the wild card race. And they've been, I won't say quietly done it, but maybe because nobody's really paying attention to Seattle, Tom. Is this just a... You know, we talked about the Angels' 14-game losing streak earlier in the year, that they were too good to be that bad. Is Seattle not good enough to be an eight-in-a-row eight winning team? And more of a, you know, now they're right around middling 500. It's kind of where I had them at the beginning of the year anyways. You, you know, there has to be some type of an adjustment here. Or am I missing something on the Seattle team, and uh, maybe they are this good? I don't know if you're missing something, Tim, but they're an intriguing Team, they're an intriguing team before the year where I didn't necessarily like them, um, but they got a lot of pieces in place and a lot of things had to click for this team, right? I mean, that's what had to happen. A lot of things had to click the right way for this team, which they had. Julio Rodriguez has come up and looked good. Uh, Logan Gilbert looks like an ace, right? Uh, JP Crawford is finally living up to his uh, first round potential. They had a lot of things click for this team, but I think that one of the main things that people are not paying attention to is their bullpen where Eric Swanson, you know, has a 0.79 ERA. Paul Sewell has a 2.43 ERA with 10 saves. Um, the, this bullpen really has stepped up. And that therein kind of lies the problem. I think Julio Rodriguez is going to continue to play really well. I think that um, we watched J.P. Crawford kind of come back to the pack a little bit, but he's a solid player. They can be solid offensively. Pitching-wise, I don't know if you could sit back and expect Logan Gilbert to keep this up. I don't think you could sit back and expect Eric Swanson, you know, at 28 years old to, to break out to a point like Clay Holmes did or Paul Seawold at 32 years old to continue to just step it up like this. And that's my problem with Seattle. I don't expect it to last, but they're, they keep proving me wrong. I didn't like them before the year. And all of a sudden you're looking at them and I'm going, I still don't love them, but man, they keep proving me wrong. The wild card race in the American League, Boston and Tampa. Then you have Seattle and Toronto tied at the th- with the third spot. 
And then the Orioles and the Guardians at two out. Chicago White Sox two and a half back at that point. Even Texas, Tom, just four games out of a wild card spot. So a lot, a lot of teams still involved. It's fun to say that at the break. But in the dog days of summer and then some of the trades that are going to happen, we'll start to see the separation. Who do you see out of that group? We'll just look at the top tier. Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Seattle. And then you have uh, Chicago hanging back there. Which one of those is the team that takes the dive? I think that Tampa Bay is going to take a big dive here with the recent injuries. Wander Franco's back on the DL. They lost Springs. They lost uh, another starting pitching. Uh, they lost Kevin Kiermeyer. Not that he's a huge loss, but I mean, they just got hit with four injuries this morning, including Wander Franco. I just don't, don't think that this team can hang on. They're not built to be able to sustain these kind of injuries, Tim. And as good as Shane Boz looked, has looked in the first couple of games, he looked awful today. He's a guy that's going to be a little volatile. McClanahan, look, I just touted him as the best in the American League. Does anybody expect that he's going to you know, strike out 350 batters and, and have a 1-7 ERA? No, which means that's coming kind of back to reality. I think Tampa takes a fall, and I think Cleveland takes a fall. Um, you know, this is a Guardians team that's been playing over their head. I think we realize that. It's a Guardian team that has a, nice, a couple of nice pieces, a lot of nice pieces, you could say. But they weren't built for this year which means I don't think that they're going to go out and make that move. Cleveland is not a team that's going to go out and make the move to improve themselves. Tampa Bay is not a team that's going to go out and make the move to improve themselves. I think Seattle will. I think Boston will. I think the White Sox certainly can. So they're in a competition where status quo, if everything was just the same, I still think Tampa Bay kind of falls off and maybe Cleveland. But knowing what the other teams are going to do, they're going to go improve. And knowing that Cleveland and Tampa Bay are going to stay pat, Tim, that makes me lean that those two are going to be the big fallers. National League side, Atlanta, last year's champs. Top team in the wild card. Padres behind them. <clears throat> Phillies, no Bryce Harper, Tommy, but they're, they've won seven of the last ten. They sit in the third spot. Cardinals, a game behind them. Giants, two. And then even the Marlins, four back of Philadelphia. How about there? Where, where are we looking at since we get three? Can Philly hold on without their their MVP? This, obviously, we have I have St. Louis surpassing them into the wild card. The Giants hanging around there like they always do. And Miami, even Miami, can Miami ride into a playoff spot on the backs of Alcantara and Pablo Lopez? Miami can. Miami has some interesting pieces, and keep remembering about Miami, they have guys coming up. You know, Dylan Floro's been out. He was their closer before the year began. He's been out. He's just kind of working his way back here. Um, you have interesting pieces in the minor leagues. Uh, they just brought up Cabrera. You know, you have a, a Max Mayer maybe gets brought up. They have some pieces to go out there and and go take a shot at. Now, I've been on Miami pretty hot for a while now, but I do trust their pitching. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to make, again, that move. I don't think that they even care to make that move. San Francisco, San Fran might make that move. Tim, I don't believe in the Giants at all. I don't believe in the Giants because you're banking on a guy like Carlos Rodon who is not going to pitch 200 innings this year. Their bullpen has been very shaky lately, even leading into. I mean, Jake McGee's ERA is rising. Rodgers doesn't look like he found what he had last year. Even leading into Duvall, who we don't know what September, August baseball is going to kind of treat him like after a long season. So I think San Francisco is going to take a dive. I think Miami could sustain. 
And I just don't believe in this Philadelphia team. Uh, I, I, I know that they look good, and I love the Wheeler-Nola combination. I don't like the bullpen, and I flat out don't like their hitting. I, I, even Schwarber and Castellanos are just not doing it for me this year on a consistent basis. They'll have spurts, like Alex, Alec Bohm will have a spurt, but those spurts will end pretty quickly. Philadelphia is as likely to continue this run of playing really well as they are to go you know, 1-10 in 10 over the next 11. I think they're a very volatile team. Atlanta, by the way, might win that division. Yeah, the Mets, uh, I see a classic Mets meltdown here, Tommy, and that's with supposedly the big guns coming back. And, I, you know, Mets fans are, are, we already know they're ignorant. Oh, we got the guys coming back. We're going to we're gonna steamroll the second half. I don't know, man. You gotta, I got to see that before uh, it. Ha- I believe it happens. And what do we know the Mets commonly do, Tom? They choke down the stretch. They do. And this is one of those years, we keep talking about acquisitions here. Tim, this is one of those years where, the Mets fans are all looking to Uncle, Uncle, uh, you know, Phil. That's what that's what they're doing, right? They're looking to their their big uncle with a big paycheck, and that's what they call him. That's their their moniker for him here in New York because they think he's going to go out there and make one of these dynamic moves. We'll see, Tim. Right? I mean, if the Mets stand pat and they get back to Grom and Scherzer, they might win the division, but the meltdown is also possible. Everyone's looking for Uncle Stevie to come in and kind of save the day. I'm waiting to see also because he's had the team for a little while now. Francisco Lindor was a big spend for him. Everybody else, you know, look, Scherzer was a nice was a nice acquisition, real nice acquisition. Did it put you over the top? Is that the guy to win it all? I don't know. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see what Uncle Stevie does here. All Star Game two next Tuesday, Major League Draft this the next week coming up, free agency. And the second half of Major League Baseball season will keep you up to date with all that here on E-Way Sports. Tom, tell everybody about Tom Barton. Guys, here's what I'm going to do for you tonight. If you sign up at TomBartonSports.com tonight and you tell me that you're listening in, I am going to give you until the first day of college football. So you're going to get 47 days for less than $100. I'm not like the other guys. I don't upgrade. No big selling. It's TomBartonSports.com. Less than 100 bucks. Get every play I select. It's TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, two weeks. We will talk again. But So you have a great weekend next week. Do something nice. Do something nice for yourself, my man. I am definitely going to go try to do something for uh, for for the, the special, what, what is it, 21-year-old birthday. I'm going to try to do yeah. something. <laughs> there you go. For Tommy Barton, for Ryan, back in the studio, always doing a great job for us. Tim Uncles, we will talk to you in two weeks' time. This heat wave sports only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good one.